0: So as a community, last night we began, uh, we entered into tide. It was a joy to be with many of you here last night with the, the uh, creative and beautiful service of the Easter Vigil. That kicked off, at least in the Booker family, the start of celebration, which most of you probably know by now means lucky charms in the morning for breakfast. Um, so, and then I told my son that he could have as much candy as he wanted today. I was amazed that he sat that still, to be honest, during uh, Sam's homily. So... Um, I hope for you there have been special things today, and if there haven't, I want to encourage you uh, to, to, um, to go crazy after this service and really enjoy, the. don't do that, but, but enjoy the good things. Yeah. <laughs> enjoy the good things of God's creation. That's what we're going to do as a community for the next week, every night, as we gather and we worship together uh, in the light of Easter and the resurrection. So... 2013 commencement address at Wesleyan University in Connecticut, given by Josh Whedon, a self-professed atheist, also known as the director of the Avengers most recently, and also a film and TV guy um, that maybe some of you have followed. He, uh, he started his commencement address like this. This is what he said to the graduates. He said, so what I'd like to say to all of you is that you are all going to die. You have, in fact, already begun to die. You look great, don't get me wrong, and you are youth and beauty. You are at the physical peak. Your bodies have just gotten off the ski slope, on the peak of growth potential, and now comes the black diamond mogul run to the grave. And the weird thing is, your body wants to die. On a cellular level, that's what it wants. And that's probably not what you want. Probably not what you want. I would say that may be the understatement of the decade. We want to live, we want to flourish, we're wired to live, to be creative, to enjoy the good things of this world. There's something deep in us that resonates with this vision of life. So of course death death itself never sits well with us, whether you you look on the the, the images of the grieving parents in this tragedy in South Korea that's unfolding, or you watch your, your grandparent die of a good old age. Never in any case, whether prematurely or at the end of a long life, does death seem appropriate. And for us as human beings, I would say that though mocked as it is oftentimes by death and by suffering and by pain, that this longing for life is never really squelched inside of us. We we want life deeply. And there are times in this world, not every day by any means, but there are moments for us when that longing for life is evoked. It could be by engaging a great poem or by opening up a a novel that speaks to you in a language that's beautiful or by hearing a piece of music that resonates with your soul or by seeing a scene in nature. Maybe it's just a pleasant, brisk, cool morning or a rainbow or mountain on the horizon. Or maybe it's seeing a child born or feeling the loved one, her hand coming in your hand. Or the hug of a child. There are all kinds of different moments where this longing inside of us comes to the surface. And almost at times overwhelms us and brings us to tears. That's what we were wired for. These these are moments, little signposts that are giving us a glimpse into what we are made for. That point beyond the world of death that is our current existence. Our current place of, of, of experience. To another world, a world where life seems to overflow and and reign abundantly, even if we can't put words to it. The question we have to ask is, is, are these longings in any way reliable? Is that other world really there? We all see through this world, however much pain there is. There's something in us that can see through it, but is it really there? C.S. Lewis said this. He said, if I find in myself a desire, this is in mere Christianity... A desire which no experience in this world can satisfy. The most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. What we've come here again to celebrate today. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Jesus coming out of the tomb. Only days after he had been murdered is evidence of the reality of that other world breaking into this present day this present world it's not just another world that's out there but it's another world that's broken in John's gospel which Sam read for us tonight the resurrection account from John's gospel John's gospel is explicit about echoing the creation narrative John's Gospel begins, In the beginning was the Word. Echoing back to Genesis 1, In the beginning. And in John's Gospel, John is quick to note, in verse 1 of chapter 20, that it was the first day of the week. That's the first thing that Sam read out of John's Gospel. Being the first day of the week. On the first day of the week, which was the eighth day, if you will, Jesus rose from the dead being the eighth sign of the gospel of John. There were seven signs. There are debates about this. But the best read is that there are seven signs coming up to this point. The seventh being the crucifixion. And that the eighth sign, the beginning of the new week, is the sign of Jesus rising from the dead. And so as we listen in attentively to what John is trying to say to us in his gospel, what he's saying is that the eighth day, the the new creation, has entered into the present world. That what we know and, and what we experience in terms of its limitations and its pain and its heartache, that this has been broken into by a new and fresh and living work of God and His power. The eighth day. This is how Basil the Great wrote of this back in the fourth century. He said, This day, that is the eighth day, the day on which Christians gather for worship, the first day, foreshadows the state which is to follow the present age. A day without sunset, nightfall, or successor. An age which does not grow old or come to an end. A day of new creation. John's saying explicitly to us, this is new creation and it's broken into the existing world. And God is up to something new. And all of those longings that we have are affirmed in a very deep way at at the empty tomb." This breaking in is like a a, a drop of food coloring. We did this in our house last week as we dyed some Easter eggs. A drop of food coloring goes into a bowl of water, right? And it drops in and then it starts to do what? If you could slow it way down to super slow motion, it'd be concentrated. And then it would start to expand ripple by ripple by ripple. And work its way into the world. The resurrection of Jesus is the initial drop in. Of God's new creation, life, and future entering into the present. And then it begins to float through the world. Much like Jesus says in Mark 4 when he compares the kingdom of God to a mustard seed. To be um, close here to what Sam was saying to the children. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that is the smallest of all seeds. But when it's planted and it grows up into a tree in which all the birds of the air come and rest On its branches. It starts small but it begins to expand. Ripple by ripple. Out into the world. And it's expanding. This resurrection moment. This resurrection drop. Is expanding into the vision that we read about in Revelation 21. Which is so good. Which every single human heart when hearing these words. Has to say. Ah. That reaches me. Now we might be skeptics and say it's too good to be true. But we can't hear these words. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. No tears. No pain. No crying. No death. A world, a world full of life. Teeming with life. Like, the, new, like the, the original creation in Genesis 1. Different kinds and ordered and harmony and beauty. A world of life. At the center of this world is what? Or is who? Verse 3 of Revelation 21. Behold the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them And they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. At the center of this new world is God, the God of life. The God who longs to pour out life upon his people. The God who's infusing this world right now with new creation life that began on this day 2,000 years ago when Jesus rose. He's at the center And this does resonate with us deeply. And say yes, those moments when the veil is lifted those moments when the pain just kind of moves into the background, when we can see clearly, when we can understand, when we get a glimpse through whatever medium it is that God chooses to give us a glimpse. I'll never forget one of my philosophy professors in college, which was not a very, uh, not a Christian college by any means, but this man was a a deeply committed follower of Jesus. And he described the story of coming down one morning out of the bedroom, down into the, the kitchen to have breakfast, and seeing his two little children, and just being overwhelmed. There was nothing special about that morning, but God just used that moment to lift the veil to see into something deeper and he started weeping and you've had moments like that you probably try to hide them when they happen but you've had moments like that and this vision of revelation 21 says that the drop that began here with jesus rising from the dead and coming out of the tomb is going to flower into this world where life has no end where god is present with his people And where the veil is not just moment by moment occasionally lifted. But where the veil is once and for all removed. And those moments that we experience now become our everyday, every moment reality. And he does this, if we look on in in Revelation 21, he says that he's making all things new. How does he press this out? this new creation life. He does it through the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit giving from the spring of the water of life without payment. The drop comes in and it begins to expand by God and his mercy and grace giving to you what you could not pay for. What you can never earn but what he offers to you as a gift. A gift purchased and won for you, the spring of the water of life, by nothing less than the events that we have just marched through over the last eight days together. Primarily the death and today the resurrection of his son. Pouring life through that gift upon us and then through us Who conquer by bearing witness, spreading that new creation life to the world. So, what, as we finish? You don't want to die. Whedon is right. You want to live. You were made to live. So, be encouraged, people of God. Be encouraged. That your deep desire for life, which at times right now feels like the small minority of your experience, will one day be the floodgates that open and will be your every breath, your every movement, your every thought, your every word, will be permeated with life, abundant life in the new heavens and the new earth. Are you thirsty? God offers this life to us, not just then, but now. He says, come. Come and drink deeply from my life. And having drunk, go forward. Go forward in the fullness of this life into a world of heartache and pain and trouble and sorrow and bear witness to this life by faithfulness, in obedience and worship and praise and thanksgiving. The marks of the people of God who have been met by the water of life, who are now those ripples going out into the world and who will one day swim in an ocean of life to the glory of God. Be encouraged. He is risen indeed. He's alive, he's real, he loves you and he wants to pour his life into you, into this community, into this city more and more and more.